Is anybody thankful to be in his house? Is anybody grateful to be in his presence? But just a few more moments. Why don't we just bask in his presence? Lift up your hands and your voice. Jesus, we love you. We thank you, God. Come on, lift up your voice and just feel after him and talk with him. Hallelujah. 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 Amen. Before we get into our lesson here tonight, one more thing I wanted to pray for um, is they are they are experiencing some fires in California, but uh, what is being done preemptively by the electric company is probably going to cause a bigger catastrophe than the fires. And if you're not keeping up with the news, I don't keep up with it a whole lot unless it's breaking, but uh, they're shutting down power all across California. And so... Um, some friends of mine are without power, and they don't know how long. It might not be that big of a deal, but uh, they're trying to do that just in case the winds blow, and they don't want any more fires, and PG&E already got caught for all the fires in paradise, and they gone bankrupt already, so uh, they started preemptively shutting down people's power, which leads to uh, people being without uh, some people that are on, on, on medical assistance. They need power. There's 2,000-plus people that have been reported that have need of electricity to keep some of their machines running. They've been shut down uh, indiscriminately. So we need to pray for them, uh, but also uh, we need to pray for Brother Mark. Brother Mark is a firefighter, and uh, he has been sent off to California to help combat some of the fires uh, that, that have been kind of kicking up. And we're praying it's not going to end up being that big of a deal, but uh, you just never know. These natural disasters mixed with infrastructure disasters can really cause a big a big issue for our brothers and sisters, even and even just our, our neighbors across in another state. Uh, can we just lift up our hands and pray uh, that God would intervene? Amen. Lord, we're coming before you right now. You're the one that made heaven and earth. God, you can stop every, every bit of forest fires, and I know that this is natural and it's part of the process, but God, we have people with homes in those areas, and there's people being affected. Also, those that are in need of electricity for life support and different things like that. We're praying, God, that you would, you would help get that turned back on so that there could be safety, no looting, no violence. God, we're praying, touch Brother Mark as he is out there in California. Keep him safe and bring him home safely in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. Hallelujah. Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 1. As we turn it in our Bibles that direction. The Bible says, brethren, if a man or a woman it out there be overtaken in a fault you which are spiritual restore such an one in the spirit of meekness considering thyself lest thou also be tempted bear ye one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ I'm going to read that again brethren church folk. This ain't be written, it's not being written to the world. To the church, if a man or a woman, a brother, be overtaken in a fault. This is the litmus test for spirituality right here. You which are spiritual, restore that individual 
in the spirit of meekness and humility, considering yourself lest you also be tempted. In that, that, that spirituality, you are bearing one another's burdens and you are fulfilling the law of Christ. And I want to teach tonight on this subject, restoring fellowship. Restoring fellowship. Would you set down your Bibles and lift up your hands as we pray? Let's pray that the Word of God would fulfill that which it was sent out to do. God, we're coming before you right now that as I'm teaching this, Lord, there's a lot of principles and a lot of things in there, God. But I don't claim to have perfect, and I'm asking God that even as I teach this Word that you would help me, God, to apply this to my life. Give us all ears to hear and hearts to respond and lives that would live out everything that is written in your Word because, God, we are getting ready for what you're going to do in this city. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. you may be seated. And restoring fellowship. Last week, we opened up this, this context talking about fellowship. And uh, one thing that keeps coming back to me, and it's been coming back to me uh, even the last week before family prayer, and that is the word preparation. Uh, we have got to be preparing ourselves. We are going to be a bride that is prepared for his coming. We've got to be like Noah, who for 120 years, he prepared an ark for the saving of his household. We've got to be like those that were on the seashore uh, when Jesus came by, and the Bible says they were mending their nets. What was that mending of their nets? That was preparation. They were preparing that the next time they cast out that net, because they have fixed some things, they have made preparations that no fish is going to escape from their net. And as a church body, we have got to be prepared. We've got to take moments where we, we get prepared for what God is looking to do in our lives, in our church, amen, and, and, and throughout this entire region. We've got to be prepared for every little bit of that. And so this teaching on fellowship, on culture, uh, what what are we doing? What are we attempting to do? I'll tell you what we're attempting to do. We are getting prepared. We are mending our nets. We are preparing our hearts. We are preparing the church, amen, that when the time comes where God starts bringing people in by the droves, we don't have giant holes in our nets. Hallelujah. We don't have, we don't have gaping holes in this ark, amen, that we are building, but we've got it pitched within and we've got it pitched without. We've made proper preparations, amen, that when that harvest comes, when that revival fully shows up and God starts pouring out rain of revival, amen, we are not broken cisterns. We can catch it. We can receive it. We can hold on. Onto it, Amen. And fellowship is going to be uh, one of the largest, Amen, reasons that 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 churches they could have what we call revival, but they don't keep it because this is lacking. Uh, if we are not careful, we've not taken time to properly prepare ourselves for for biblical concepts like fellowship. God could send us, and if we were to look back on history. Amen. Whether it be our church, many other churches, my home church, we are all guilty. 
that God has sent us hundreds, if not thousands of people through our doors that we never knocked on their door. We never taught them a Bible study. And as quickly as they walked in, they walked out. The number one issue that is, that is hindering apostolic church, the apostolic church from growing is our ability to retain people. Would you agree with that? I mean, it's not our lack of baptizing people. We'll baptize people. I personally baptized 75 people next to a river in Spokane, and not one of them came back to church. Uh, it was not our, our passion. We've got passion. We've got zeal. We've got desire. But when it comes to our retention, we struggle. And we've got to be willing to take an, a moment and really think about that. Uh, what is hindering us from retention? And I would present to you here today that one of those issues is that we are deficient when it comes to fellowship. Now, now, hear me out. I'm not here to criticize. I put myself on the chopping block, too. So I want to disarm you here tonight. I'm talking to myself as well. Uh, we, we, we have no problem when it comes to uh, fellowshipping with people that we do like. But when it comes to somebody new or letting somebody that we are not like or that we may not like enter into our, our circle of fellowship, we, we almost resist it because we're afraid that it will break up our complacency and our sense of normalcy because it is human to go into, into habit and into routine. Amen. But we've got to be willing to allow fellowship to go beyond just what we, what we like and what is comfortable to us. And as we allow our circle of fellowship to grow, guess what's going to happen? The church is going to grow. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. Let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse number 1. We talked about fellowship last week. We talked about that fellowship is a privilege and not a right. And what we mean about that is we're not talking about sinners. I want to tell you, as we're coming into this, we're going to be talking about some very uh, serious subjects here today. I'm going to try to make it light, and I'm going to try to make it short. Um, but, but when we talk about sinners, amen, we are in the world, but we are not of the world. You're going to, be in, you're going to go to Walmart, and you're going to be standing in line next to somebody that's buying a pack of cigarettes and buying a fifth of whiskey. You better, you better mark it down. You're going to be next to somebody that's going to drop an F-bomb. They're going to cuss. And, and I want to tell you, the world is the world. Now, if you go to Walmart and you see me in line with a fifth of, of, of whiskey, uh, you, better, you better just let everybody know. Hallelujah. You ought to call me out for it. Hallelujah. It's for communion, I promise. No, I'm kidding. But, but there, you, see, you see where we, we automatically we understand that concept. It's, it's one thing to see a sinner be a sinner. All right? If you see a sinner going to the tattoo parlor, it makes sense. You see a saint going there. I'm just getting a scripture, Pastor. <laughs> we, you, you get what I'm saying. So, so the world's the world. That's understandable. We get that, okay? Um, people are going to come in from the world, and just so you know, I'm going to warn you, they're not going to look like us. They're not going to talk like us. They're going to have a different vocabulary that God got rid of a long time ago. I'll never forget. I'll just say this. We'll get to this verse in a minute. Don't worry about it. I'll never forget when I first got saved. I called my pastor. His name is Rick Mayo. Pastor Rick Mayo, and I'll never forget, I said, uh, they introduced me, I said, what's going on, Rick? And I remember talking to a few folks, and uh, this is the world, and I was just talking, I was telling a story about something, I was 13 years old, and I said, bleep, 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 you know what I'm talking about, Rick? Oh, I just, 
I embarrassed myself here 17 years later. And then it became Brother Rick. And then it became Pastor Rick. And then it became Brother Mayo. And then it became Pastor Mayo. And then it became Bishop Mayo. Then it became Archbishop Mayo. I'm kidding. No. What happened? Time. I was discipled. I grew. I showed up, and I, I'll be honest with you. I was wearing a I was wearing a T-shirt, and I will I'll be honest. There was an image on the back that shouldn't have been there. I'm being very real, it was my first church service. I had a chain around my neck. I thought I was cool, right? I was just being like the world, and I thought that in my little 13-year-old brain that this is just presentable when you show up to church. Uh, I probably made everybody in the back behind me blushing as they looked at the back of my shirt. Um, I didn't know any better. When the people walk into the church, they're not going to know any better, and that's okay. Somebody say amen. That is all right. Let them come in, and don't be embarrassed. If they, if they cuss, don't wince. Don't tell them, you don't talk like that in church. Now, if you have a Bible study going with that individual, and you are invested in that individual, then go ahead and, and you can politely start to help teach them and guide them. Uh, but if, if, if somebody has spent time working on somebody and it took them, you don't know, it might have taken them the last five years to get them into church and they drop an F-bomb right in front of the pastor and you're like, don't say that. And they never come back. You don't know how much time and effort that other individual in the church has put into that person. Hallelujah. Just leave them alone. Let God work on them. Hallelujah. I have traveled around America, and I have found that there are people with their nets. They got a net, and they want to get down in the net with the fish while they're in the water, and they, they want to start scaling the fish, and they want to start filleting the fish, and they want to start cleaning the fish and deboning the fish before they ever get in the boat. No, let them get in the boat first. Amen. Let them get a revelation that there's only one God. Let them get a revelation they need to be baptized so that all their sins, including that, that filthy mouth, can be washed. And let God work on them and let God clean them. And I promise I'll preach and we'll, we'll, get, we'll get to some of the nitty-gritty. Hallelujah. And before it's all said and done, did you know that Jesus is a better preacher than we'll ever be? He's a better soul winner than any of us and all of us combined. Hallelujah. So that's the world. But, but I came today not to talk about restoring the world into fellowship. We have all been given the ministry of reconciliation, which is what? We have been brought into Christ so that we could go out and find our brother in the world that is lost and bring them to Christ. That is our job. We are disciple makers. We're going to spend a whole long time talking about discipleship. Elder Johnson gave me a book about discipleship. Absolutely love it. We're going to talk about discipleship and getting a culture of discipleship because did you know it's not just my job to disciple Carson City. It's your job too, but guess what? That's exciting. Amen. You got, you got a purpose in the kingdom of God. You may never play an instrument, you may, may never sing, and you may never preach or teach behind a pulpit, but you got a pulpit, amen, on every door you knock. You got a pulpit on every, you got a solo to sing, amen, to every individual that you start teaching a Bible study to. Hallelujah. Now, please don't sing to them. They may not like that, but unless you're really gifted and blessed. Hallelujah. But, uh, but in, this, in this concept, we're going to talk about discipleship at another time. But I want to talk about uh, preparing the church. 
and getting it proper. We understand that fellowship is a privilege and not a right for those that are in the church. We went through a few things last week, uh, those that, that, that cause division, those that, uh, that have uh, that they're back talking, backbiting. They've got nothing but negative things to say. Uh, things that are not becoming of a Christian. Things that are not becoming of a new, uh, a, a Holy Ghost filled believer. Amen. He says, don't eat with them. Don't fellowship with them. Uh, he says, just put them aside. Amen. We're going to talk about that concept for just a moment. And then we're going to talk about what the Bible says, what to do with that individual. Amen. And, and, and how to restore them into a place of fellowship. This is going to help us. Uh, that when people that have walked away from the church, walked out of the church, walked away from God, they have done what, we're, what, what we know, the prodigal son. They went out into a far country and spent all they had, amen, and they, they just got worse and worse and worse. There's people that have met Jesus, been baptized in Jesus' name, filled with the Holy Ghost, and they have decided not to live according to the Word of God. Amen. I know that shocks some folks. Amen. They're, they have decided, I don't really want to be in the church. I'd rather have the world. Well, we understand that that is a fact. That is a human. That is a human condition. Amen. That is that is mankind making a choice. I will not serve God. There's others that have made the decision. I will serve God. Amen. I'm going to come into the church. But there's those that are in the church that have decided, or later down the road will decide, and I hope it doesn't happen, uh, but it does happen, that they will decide to leave the church, to leave the body of Christ, to leave the koinonia, to leave the fellowship. Amen. They're going to go off into the world. They're going to, they're going to, they're going to end up, and, and this is how it always works out, they're going to end up in a proverbial pig pen with just dirt, filth, guilt, shame. It happens. It's just what happens. Amen. But we've got to have our net ready. For when they walk through those back doors again. Does anybody pray for a revival of those that have walked away from the church and walked away from God? Does anybody pray for those that have walked away from the faith that God would restore them back to the kingdom? Why don't we just take a moment. If you can think of somebody, why don't you lift up their name and pray that God help the church to have their nets ready to catch every person that has left and walked away. Amen. Everyone that has fallen away, God, that you would restore them back to grace, restore them back to mercy, restore them back to the church. Let's take a few moments. I think this is all right. Pray that the Lord of the harvest would go out and find everyone that has prodigal themselves, those that are, are out there and they know what is right and they know the church is going the right direction. I pray, God, that you would, your loving arms and your hand would reach them and pull them back in Jesus' name. We pray for it. Amen. We've prayed for it. We will continue to pray for it. We will never cease to pray for it. You know why? Because when a brother or sister walks away, we don't, we don't, we don't hate them. We don't have anything. Can I say that? We don't hate them. Can I get an amen? We don't have anything against them. Amen. But they have made a decision. They'd rather have the fellowship of the world, amen, than the fellowship of the church. We've got to have our net ready to bring them back to repentance. 1 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 1. We're going to mend our nets here tonight. It is reported commonly. I want you to notice who he's writing this to before, you, before we get so holy and, and righteous and self-righteous that we think that he's writing this to the world. He's writing this to the church, the church at Corinth. Okay, It is reported commonly. Now, I hope this never becomes a common problem in ARC. I will preach, amen, to try to avoid it, amen, and I will teach to try to avoid it because this kind of stuff that we're going to talk about here tonight gets you out of fellowship with God and with God's people, and it never ends well. 
it is reported commonly that there is fornication among you and such fornication as is not so much as named among the Gentiles. He's saying the church has got so much issue that they're doing things that isn't even happening in the world. He's saying, he's, he's talking to the church, amen, there are things that are happening and it's reported commonly that in the koinonia, in the fellowship of God's people among the brethren, amen, that there are things that the world would cringe at. I want to tell you that should never be commonly reported, amen. If the world should never, I heard a story, I was preaching for a guy in Texas and there was another church across town that had had five pastors and the pastor they were with was not currently their pastor uh, they were like the woman at the well hallelujah but they they had they had had five or six pastors all fall into adultery or 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 money laundering or whatever the case may be and it wasn't just the pastor it was the whole church it was a mess and 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 i won't go into all of the details but let's just say it was something that was not even reported amongst the world stuff was happening that you only hear of when you think of cults and it was mind-boggling. And he said that the police, who he had, this man that I preached for, had a great report in the city, had been a faithful man for almost 45 years, preached the gospel, stood for truth, never compromised, never changed, and loved his people, loved, loved God, and loved his city. And, 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 and the chief of police came to his church and said, Preacher, I want to be a Pentecostal. And he said, No, you don't. I know you too well. You know what we believe. You don't want to be. He said, I didn't know that you guys did fist fights in church. I didn't know that you guys could swap spouses just indiscriminately. I didn't know as a preacher you were allowed to do X, Y, and Z. And he said, we're not. He said, well, the church across town, I just arrested the pastor and about 20 saints for a full-out brawl. Now, I don't say that to... Uh, put a damper on church conduct. But I want to tell you that if we're not careful, we don't get our spirits right and keep our spirits right. You, you, if we give over to the flesh, that everyone in this building, as, as holy and righteous as we think we are, we are capable of the most vile, terrible things. This is why we got to be full of faith in the Holy Ghost. This is why we need to stay in the Bible. We need to stay in the prayer room. We need to stay in the altars. Hallelujah. Amen. And, 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 and I'm, I, I'm just going to tell you, it's, it's not something that we, we think, oh, well, we'd never, that would never be us. You never know. And uh, we've just got to keep praying up. Hallelujah. But there are things that he is saying the church is reported commonly doing that's not even named among the Gentiles. That one should have his father's wife. Not going to go into the details there. You figure it out. And you are puffed up. You are arrogant about it. You have not mourned. That he that has done this deed might be taken away from you. You've actually just said, oh, yeah, that's just brother so-and-so. He just, he just does what he does, and we're not going to worry about it. Okay, this is what the apostle says. We're going to take this one example, and we're going to go into a, 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 a deeper understanding. He said, for I verily, as absent in the body, but present in the spirit, have already judged this. This is the apostle. This is the teacher. This is the preacher. As though I were present concerning him that has done this deed. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, when you are gathered together and my spirit and my spirit with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, 
This is what he's telling the church to do to this individual. He's saying, don't, don't have pride. Don't say that it's not a big deal. Uh, what is he talking about? He's saying that there is a man. He said there's many things that are reported commonly. He said, but there's a specific individual that I have heard in the church that is doing something so vile that he is living in blatant sin with pride and puffed up, and you can't tell me how to live. Okay, y'all getting that? All right. It is something that we all cringe at thinking about. Uh, but he is not cringe. In fact, he shows up to church every Sunday. And uh, he shows up every Wednesday. This is the distinction that we're making. And I want to say this very plainly. If you are struggling, that's okay. i say that again. If you're struggling, that's all right. But this man was not struggling. He had given over to it. This man was not somebody who had committed an act of fornication. He was a fornicator. It was an identity. It was something he blatantly stood for and lived for and didn't care if anybody knew it. Amen. He bragged about it. He boasted about it. And this is what Paul is saying. He said, I'm not there presently. I'm not, I'm not able to. If I were there, I would have already judged it. And, and he's teaching a church. This is a first century church that doesn't have it all together. Amen. Maybe some of us have got it all together already because we've just implied some of these things. But these are people that at one point were in the world. They were Gentiles. They were lost. And now they're saved. And they are, they aren't quite, uh, they are not quite equipped to handle a circumstance like this and they think well maybe that's just how it is we sin and grace is there and we'll just keep forgiven there are entire churches and denominations that have exalted sin and they have boasted in it and they have glorified it and they've allowed it to sing on their platforms and preach from their pulpits I'm not just talking about, amen, uh, just one group. There are many groups that have now said it's no big deal. They have gloried and they have boasted in open lifestyle decisions that are blatant sins. What does he tell us to do? The Bible says that when you are gathered together, my spirit's there. He said, I'm not present in the body, but, but what I'm telling you is in spirit, and I'm telling you, and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ to deliver such an one unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh, that the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. This is a, this is a practice in which Paul would say again, 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 20, talking about those that are causing division, those that have doctrines of devils, those that are causing subversion, they're Judaizers. He said, of whom is Hymenaeus and Alexander, whom I have delivered unto Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. These are doctrines, and this, this principle that I am bringing to you today is something the churches don't want to talk about anymore. And this is to put somebody out of fellowship, out of the koinonia. This is what we kind of referred to very slightly last week, amen, on those that are railers, those that are busybodies, those that, uh, those that are fornicators. He goes down an entire list, and he says, don't eat with them, don't company with them. We're not talking about people that struggle, that are in church, that come to the altar, and they pray, and they repent, and they say, God, I want to be right. We're talking about people that are willingly living in blatant sin, and they are strutting it across the church that they can live however they want. It doesn't matter. He's saying, put them out of the body. Everybody see that? Okay. This is my words. Put them out of the body. And he said, deliver them unto Satan for the destruction of what? That pride, that flesh. Amen. Uh, and, and he's saying that when they go out there, I want to tell you that this, there's something being presented there. That while you are in fellowship, while you are in the body, while you are in the church, there is a protection on you. There is a protection and there is a mercy and there is a grace of God when you are in fellowship with God and you are in fellowship in the church. 
Because when you get put out of fellowship and you get put out of the body, immediately what happens? They are delivered unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. And the devil has full reign. You want to know why people backslide and they get worse and worse? It's like the man Jesus said, when an unclean spirit has gone out of a man, he looks around searching where he can go. And then he says to himself, I will go back to my house. I'll tell you about what he said, my house. In other words, that devil might have been cast out, but he still had possession. He still had the title and the deed. And there are people that God will wash them, God will forgive them, amen, but they don't want God to fill them. Oh, hallelujah. And they don't want God to have ownership. And they are okay with the devil going and coming and going and coming. And the devil says, I'll go back to my house. And he brings with him seven devils that are worse than himself. And the end result of that man is worse than the beginning. What is happening? They are put out. Satan is now in a position where he is, he is buffeting them. Why? For the destruction of the flesh. But what is the intent? That they might be saved. I want that to get through. God is not looking to kill anybody, hurt anybody, or destroy anybody. If, if, if there ever comes a day where we have to say, don't fellowship with this individual, don't talk to this individual, my pastors had to do it, and I hope I never have to do it. Amen. It is for the destruction of pride, of flesh. Amen. It is so that they can let the world be the world. And recognize that there's something to be missed in God's house. There is some protection. There is some blessing that they want, and they got to have it. Amen. I tell you this, I'm teaching this, it's not easy to teach, I promise you. But this is, gonna, this is mending our nets right now. Amen. And, and, and not only is it mending our nets, this is going to keep us saved. You, you can't have the church in the world. That's not how this works. You can have chin, uh, sin and blatant, uh, blatant sin and God. It doesn't work like that. No flesh should glory in his presence. And so he is telling them, deliver him unto Satan for the destruction of the flesh. Why? That the spirit may be saved in the day of the Lord Jesus. Put them out. Let the world do the world's job. Let Satan do what Satan's going to do. Because I want to tell you, the devil's not your friend. The world is not your friend. I know that some people think, well, I just want a boyfriend or a girlfriend, or I just want this. The end result of people that walk away from God, I've never seen anybody where their marriages have been happy and perfect. I've never seen it. Maybe you have. Amen. I've, I've never seen a position where their life got altogether better. Amen. I'm including my sister in this. Amen. Uh, and I've never seen them. They, they left church. Amen. I had to find rides to church. And they were blessed. They were favored. They had all sorts of things going for them. They walk out of church. And, and guess what happens? They go back to drinking, smoking, doing drugs. Guess what happens? Their life gets worse. There's protection in the house of God. There's blessing in the house of God. Amen. So he's saying, deliver him unto Satan. That was, that was the commandment of the apostle. 1 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 9. And he's given a commandment right here for verse 9, if we could. Hallelujah. 1 Corinthians 5 and 9. Brother, we're in verse 8 right there. Hallelujah. We'll just go down one more verse. God bless the sound and media department. It is one of the most underprivileged, amen, and under, underappreciated departments. Hallelujah. I write unto you in an epistle. I wrote unto you in an epistle. Now he's continuing on with what he was just telling them earlier in this verse about. Now this isn't like they just had, had this, fornic this Corinthian fornicator in the church and they didn't know any better. Okay. He said, I wrote unto you 
in an epistle, I've already told you, not to company with fornicators. We read that last week. So they already know not to do this. They're doing it. And he's saying, this is, my, this is what I'm telling you to do. Put them out of the church. Satan will do his job. The world will do its job. The pig pen will do its job. And, 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 and that is where he left it right there. Okay. We're going to come back to restoring people into fellowship. Romans chapter 16 and 17. Now I beseech you, brethren, mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. Those that are causing division according to, we've learned about it last week, traditions that were given by Paul and the apostles. And those that are causing division and offense concerning the, the doctrine which you have learned. He said, and avoid them. These are not talking about sinners. We're talking about brethren. For they are, they are that, that are, I'm sorry, for they that are such serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of the simple. You know what we need in this generation? Sound doctrine. Because the Bible says there's coming a day where they will not endure sound doctrine, but they will heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. Amen. There is an entire culture that we are living in right now that, that is saying, uh, and I'm not talking about the world. The world wants teaching. The world wants the Word of God. I'm talking about a church culture that we cannot allow in this building that doesn't want sound doctrine and sound teaching. There are entire, there are entire congregations that just want to just have a good old time and have a party, and they don't want anybody to break down the Word of God and tell them how to live right. We've got to be careful. We've got to have the Word of God because there are people that will rise up with a great idea of humanism, and it'll say the end result of all, end result of all being is the glory of man, and they will tell people things that scratches that itch. You're so anointed. You're so gifted. You know, you really, you really should do X, Y, and Z. And what are they doing? They're playing to people's carnality. You really don't have to do that. You know, you probably will still go to heaven if you do this, that, and the other. You're not going to go to hell. Don't worry about it. You can dress however you want, live however you want. And I will be breaking down uh, standards here in the next few weeks. But... There are people that will come by with all sorts of doctrines, and they've got fair speeches deceiving the hearts of the simple. What are the simple? Those that have not endured sound doctrine. And there are people that will hear these words and these great swelling words, and they will think that they're going off to be blessed, and, and everything's going to work. And if you just come to my church, I'll let you live however you want and do whatever you want. Don't listen to those people. Hallelujah. He said that you've got to avoid people that cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which you have learned. If anybody says, you know what, one God, Trinity, doesn't really matter, avoid them. I'm not talking about sinners. Please understand me. If somebody rises up and starts saying, hey, let me just put it this way. If I start telling you there's a, there's a Trinity, you can, you can vote with your feet and walk out those back doors. If I start telling you, you can watch whatever you want to watch, live however you want to live, paint yourself up, amen, just act however you want, cuss and smoke and drink, you can vote with your feet and walk out those doors, amen, uh, because that means I'm no longer teaching what has been taught to you. 
I'm no longer preaching what has been preached to you, and I myself have become a castaway. Hallelujah. Don't go to hell on my account. Go to heaven on my account. Hallelujah. Amen. But he's saying that they're, they're, just, they're, just, trying to, they're just trying to mess with people, and they're deceiving the, the simple. Okay, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and 5. This is going in line with people that are, that are causing division, people that are busybodies. I didn't want to read all the verses we read last week. Uh, we talked about that. If you need to listen to that, you can listen on our SoundCloud or Apple podcast. Amen. But, but it's also people that are trying to twist doctrine. Okay? He said just avoid them. Don't eat with them. Don't fellowship with them. What are you saying? Put them out. Okay. So, this is not, and I, I want to say this as we turn to this next scripture. This is not those that have questions. If you have questions, come see me. We will talk. Amen. And we will look through the Bible. If you need a Bible study, I am a Bible study teacher, and I love to teach Bible studies. If you want to know why we baptize in Jesus' name, come see me. You want to know why we live the way we live, dress the way we dress, act the way we Come see me. I'd love to talk. But don't go around and say, I don't believe that. And cause division and cause a new convert that is coming into this and is so excited to be saved. And say, you know, you really don't have to do that. You're causing division and causing people to stumble. The simple. Okay. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 5. This is, he's going back and now they have done what the apostle has said to this man, this Corinthian fornicator. But if any man have caused grief, he have not grieved me, but in part. That I may not overcharge you all. This is this. Uh, I, I'm not going to get into all that. There's a lot there we could talk about, but I'm going to go into this next part right here. Sufficient to such a man is this punishment, which was inflicted of many of who the church, which was what putting them out of the church, putting them out of fellowship. So that contrarywise, you ought rather to forgive him and comfort him. I want to explain what's happening here. They have gone so far to the extreme. That they obeyed the apostle and they booted this man out of the church, booted him out of fellowship. He's no longer being prideful and arrogant. The devil has done his work, whooped up on him. The world has done its job, whooped up on him. And he wants to come back to church and people are still avoiding him. And Paul is saying, the punishment I told you was sufficient. You don't have to take this to the far extreme. There are entire churches that will say, never talk to them again. And if you mess up one time, you aren't welcome back. And you can't. No, I want to tell you, that is not the spirit of Jesus. There will be people that will make mistake after mistake after mistake. And as long as they're willing to repent and get things right, you're welcome home. Somebody clap your hands and give God praise. So he's telling them now what to do. Okay, now that you have put him out, he has gone through this process, the destruction of the flesh. Satan has buffeted him. He's no longer prideful about his sin. He's repentant and he wants to get right. He says this, the contrary wise. Now you've got to do the opposite. Okay, you're seeing that. You put him out. He's repenting. He's getting it right. Guess what you do? He says you do the opposite. You forgive him. You comfort him. Lest perhaps such and one should be swallowed up with overmuch sorrow. So at one point he was swallowed up with pride that he could live however he wanted to. But now he's swallowed up that he can never get right with God. He can never get right with the church. He's now going to get swallowed up with so much sorrow. Wherefore I beseech you that you should confirm your love towards him. When people walk out, amen, they do whatever they're going to do. But when they come back with a repentant heart, he's saying you've got to confirm your love to them. 
You got you to gotta wrap them up in your arms. Hallelujah. You don't wrap them up while they're in the pig pen. Let me just put this very clear. You don't comment to them on Facebook. You don't tell them you miss them. None of that. You let them live their lives, do what they're going to do, and you just leave them alone. Let them get tired of the corn husk and tired of the stink and tired of the mud and tired of the filth and tired of the parties, tired of the one-night stands. And you let them miss what they had when they came to church. But the moment that they come back, you confirm your love to them. You bring them up. You comfort them. We forgive them. We bring them in. And we let them know the church is here for you. The church loves you. Lift up your hands and let's pray. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's pray all across this house for just a moment. When God brings those individuals back, I want to tell you, and he will, he will. God's working on people right now. When they come back, they're going to come back, and we're going to confirm our love towards them. We're going to comfort them. We're going to forgive them. We're going to make sure that they're not swallowed up by sorrow. Amen. He continues on saying, confirm your love towards them. For to this end also did I write that I may know proof of you whether you were obedient in all things. To whom you forgive anything, I also forgive. For if I forgave anything to whom I forgave it for your sakes, forgive I it in the person of Christ. Okay, get ready. He said if, if, they, if they come back, they're repentant, and you say they're truly repentant, and they're not just coming to get another advantage over people. Right, and flaunt their sin again. Talking about true repentance, and this is not for you or I to judge. Amen. But their root, their their fruit begins to show. Amen. And and they, their fruit of repentance has shown, and and God sees it, and, and God refills them with the Holy Ghost, and God is working on them, and they're trying their hardest. He's saying, if if you've forgiven them, Amen. I forgive them, and and Jesus forgives them, and and don't worry about any of this. And He says, forgive that person, lest Satan should get an advantage of us. We deliver this person. I hope you're seeing this in the Bible. I know that we, we aren't always going to talk about uh, all these other, amen, things. But we've got to go through some of these things that are in the Bible that are so explicit. We've got to talk about them. We're mending our nets right now. But he said, deliver them to Satan. Why? Because they're lifted up in pride. They're living in open sin. They go out, amen. Satan buffets them. The world buffets them. They try to come back, amen. And now, amen, he's saying, confirm your love. Welcome them in. Why? Lest Satan get the advantage of us. Now we become somebody that the devil gets an advantage of. The church doesn't love you. You're not forgiving. And now the devil has an open door into the church. Amen. Now, now we don't have a fornicator, but we have unforgiving people. He's got an advantage. Amen. Lest he get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. The devil is a trickster and do not be deceived by it. Amen. He is going to spin whatever he can. Amen. If it will cause this person to fall away in, in, in sin of commission, they commit acts. Okay. Or if he can get the church to fall into the sin of omission, we omit or we do not forgive. He doesn't care. He just wants to take the church out. So if he can get a group of people to gather together that won't forgive anybody, he's done his job and he wins. Or if he can get people, amen, to be in the church and not living right, he's done his job. We can't be ignorant of the devil's devices. we got to forgive. we got to confirm our love. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8. Mind you, if when we read these verses, some of these verses we preach out of, this is all going back to this Corinthian fornicator. Some of these verses we preach out of, when you look at the context, this is what it's talking about. 
2 Corinthians 7 and 8. For though I made you sorry with a letter. A letter about what? Putting this person out for the destruction of the flesh. And then he's now writing to let that person back in and love them. Though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. I want to tell you as a preacher, I, I don't always like telling people the truth, but I don't repent for it. Though I did repent. Okay, he's putting a, a, a thing there. He's saying, I'm not saying I'm sorry. He goes, but it, it wasn't easy. He says, for I perceive that the same epistle has made you sorry. Though it were, but for a season. He goes, I had to be sharp with my words. I had to set it very straight and very plain. I didn't pull any punches, and I didn't sugarcoat it, and I'm not sorry for it, and it wasn't easy to say, and it has caused you all to be sorry. It has caused you all to think and rethink, amen, actions and decisions. Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you, may that you might receive damage by us in nothing. He's saying, because I told you the truth and you were sorry, you repented. And that's a good thing. For godly sorrow works repentance to salvation and not to be repented of. You don't have to be sorry for saying sorry. Amen. But the sorrow of the world worketh death. That sorrow that man would have had when he tried to come back, but the church wouldn't let him. That works death. But when that man is buffeted by the world and buffeted by Satan, and we confirm our love and welcome that individual back in, give him a hug, guess what happens? They sorrowed unto a place of repentance. Okay, but let me tell you what this, this sorrow of repentance. For behold, this selfsame thing that you sorrowed after a godly sort. All of this is talking about the fact that he had to rebuke the church because they were not doing what they needed to do with this Corinthian man. And now they, hear, they are being told what to do. Welcome him back in. But he's saying about their repentance. For behold, this selfsame thing that you have sorrowed after a godly sort. This is a godly sorrow. This is repentance. This is what happens when people come to a place of repentance. What carefulness it wrought in you. Yea, what clearing of yourselves. Yea, what indignation. Yea, what fear. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. Yea, what revenge. In all things you have approved yourselves to be clear in this matter. When you repent, there comes forth a clearing. There comes forth carefulness. There comes forth indignation. There comes forth fear. There comes back your desire. There comes back zeal. There comes back revenge against disobedience. When you repent, you make some things clear in your life. I will never do that again. I will never go that direction direction again. Oh, somebody lift up your voice and let's magnify him. When you repent, you're drawing the line in the sand and you're saying, I'm going to live for God. I'm going to do things God's way. Somebody pray. Hallelujah. There is, a, there is a godly revenge that comes when people repent, when the church repents. When we get things right, we start marking lines in the sand and say, we're going to do things God's way. Wherefore, though I wrote unto you, I did it not just for his cause, though that had done the wrong, nor for his cause that suffered the wrong. He's saying, I'm not, I'm not just writing this letter to the church, amen, to hurt the man that sinned or the person that was sinned against. He's saying, I did this, amen, that our care of you and the sight of God might appear unto you. I want to tell you that, that repentance is your friend. Every time you hear, if you ever hear me preach or teach, amen, I promise you, I'm not trying to offend you. 
But if it pricks your heart, I am your friend. I am trying to help you. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. And so we move on. We got that out of the way. Somebody walks out of the church. What are we going to do? We're going to leave them alone. No Facebook, no Instagram, no text. Just leave them alone. They made their decision. We love them. Pray for them. Hit your knees. And God is going to peradventure give them repentance and bring them back. Amen. And when they come back, our arms will open wide. But let's talk about people that are not put out of fellowship. Let's get down to the nitty-gritty. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 19. Let's talk about fellowship being restored when people have never left the church. They're not leaving the church. And they sit on the seat next to you. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. The Bible says, For there must, also, there must be also heresies among you, that they which are approved may be manifest among you. Jesus says in another passage of the scriptures that offenses must come. There is something that we cannot avoid. There are going to be people with all sorts of wild ideas and heresies. It's going to happen. There's going to be people come among you, but guess what's going to happen? There's, when I say this word heresy, I'm going, to, I'm going to play this word a little bit. There's going to be people that don't fully live it, and we're going to call them, uh, we're, not we're going to call them, but, uh, but some would call them hypocrites. Okay? They're not really living for God, but they still come to church. They don't really believe it, but they act like it. He's saying that people that are, that are living heresies will be among you. Hopefully it's not you, and hopefully you're not sitting next to them. But the reason for that is that you can know the real deal when you see it. Amen. There are people that, that if you're not careful, you will mistake them for the real deal. You need to check the fruit of their life. And you'll, you'll really look at them, and you'll say, okay, I want to I watch them. I want to see, see, amen, if they're really, really living for this, or they're really doing this. Amen. I, I, if, I, if I were an individual that is looking for somebody, amen, to look up to in the kingdom of God, I'm going to look for people that have fruit of what God is doing in their life. I'm not going to look for people that are wishy-washy. I'm not going to look for people that live it at church and smile and have a nice suit and a nice dress on, hopefully not at the same time. And they look like Christians, but then out in the world, man, they're in line grabbing that fifth of whiskey. I'm using a very... Hopefully extreme example. I just drove by and I saw them doing this, that, and the other. He's saying that those people are going to be there. You can't avoid them. But what will happen is it will let you know who's really living it. It will let you know who's really living for God. Pattern your life after that individual. Hallelujah. Somebody said amen. Matthew 8 and 15, and we're going to end right here at these verses. Amen. Matthew 18 and 15. Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against you, if somebody offends you. Y'all ready for this? Somebody say, I'm ready. Talking about restoring fellowship. There is nothing like bitterness and offense in a church that will break down fellowship. There is nothing like an offended spirit that will hinder a church from growing. There is nothing like offended people 
that will hinder, amen, revival, that will hinder worship services, that will hinder prayer meetings, that will hinder people praying through in the altar, that will hinder Bible studies from being taught, than people being bitter and offended by somebody in the church. Amen. I'm not worried about the devil. The devil's already been defeated. I'm worried about when we come together and there's friction and we don't like the friction and we start thinking that friction's causing a problem and then we stop getting together and now there's no longer friction which creates sparks, which creates revival fire. Hallelujah. Amen. And people start disassociating one from another because they're offended. You've got to be careful of an offended spirit. If your brother shall offend you or trespass against you, go and tell everyone in the church. I think I'm reading that right. Go on Facebook and passively aggressively talk about them. Go on there and talk to everybody about how you don't like what's going on. I'm just this. Hey, we. Some of us are all guilty of some of this. I mean, we can. You can. Maybe you don't use Facebook. Maybe you don't use Instagram. But but there's other things you've you've just said. Well, you know, I don't really like that. Hey, I'll admit I've been guilty of that. You know, I really don't like that. You know, that individual did X, Y, and Z. And instead of praying about it, I just talked about it because that's easier to do. Am I right? Is that, it's easier for me. Maybe it's not easier for you. Maybe, maybe everybody's real spiritual. But it's easier for me to go and talk to you about all the people I don't like and all the people that offended me and all the things that I don't like. It's easier for me to vent to other things than to do the biblical way, which I'm going to set in order. This right here is going to help us have revival. Somebody say hallelujah. When your brother shall offend you or trespass, go and tell him his fault. Notice how it doesn't say go tell him his faults. You know, you're just a terrible individual. <laughs> it ain't saying criticize them. It's saying, hey, you know, we were worshiping in church the other day, and you stepped on my shoe. No, you didn't really do that. But. And it really bothered me because I, I spent all morning buffing my shoes, and I thought they were so nice. You know, hey, I used to, I, I know people like this. You didn't compliment my outfit, and I'm really, I'm really offended. Hey, you didn't shake my hand today. Come on. We're talking about, we're going to have revival after this message. Hallelujah. You didn't invite me out to eat. You didn't. Well, if that really offends you, one of two things needs to happen. Either A, you pray through it, and you get over it, and you grow over it, and you grow through it until it no longer bothers you and no longer offends you. Or you go to your brother and say, hey, I'm not here to tell you what's wrong with you. But honestly, I, I would really appreciate it if, you know, if, if you would shake my hand. Now, let me tell you this real quick. It's a two-way street. If you want somebody to shake your hand, go across the church. Good to see you, Brother Devin. Love you. Hey, Brother Jonathan, I love you. If you're offended because I didn't shake your hand, guess what? I'm preaching. I'm teaching. I got a lot of things going on. If you're offended because somebody else that's in leadership doing something didn't shake your hand, then guess what? Understand and have the revelation that they're probably busy and it's nothing to offend you. Get out of your seat and come up to them and shake their hand and say, so good to see you. <laughs> Hallelujah. That's good preaching. I have seen more people backslide over something so stupid like this in my home church than anything I can mention. The pastor didn't shake my hand. There was 
300 people in the building, and he didn't have time to get to everybody because after that he had five or six counseling sessions with people that have real struggles, amen, in a real world, and shaking your hand wasn't the number one thing on the list. I'm sorry. Hallelujah. And I promise you, an offended spirit will say, they did that because they don't like me. But a pray-through apostolic person would probably say, they're busy. They're busy. I'm not offended, Brother Johnson. You don't shake my hand every service. You know why? You got to pe- pick up your equipment every single service and clean it, and I don't have to. Thank you. I'm really not a musician. So. And that goes for everybody in music. Hallelujah. God bless you all. Amen. Brother Troy, when you're in the drum cage, and I, I look at you in that drum cage, and I do this. Because I know you'd have to get up out there and come out here and shake Brother Worley's hand so Brother Worley's not offended. Now you're not offended. I know you're not. Hey, Sister Worley, i got to get back and play drums. Okay. It's called Christian common sense. You believe the best about your brother. You believe the best about your sister. Somebody say we're going to have revival. Well, they were worshiping, and they stepped on my toe, and I really didn't like it. Well, pray through and get over it. Or go to them and say, you know, I really, really would like to shake your hand. Or, I really don't like the fact that when you walked by me, you didn't say hello. I'm, I'm so sorry. You'll probably, you know what happened? We'll resolve a lot of issues that really don't need to be issues. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean it. I, I genuinely, I was so busy thinking about everything going on. And, and you actually might find out that that person's had a very rough week. A very rough month, a very rough year, and you actually have to start having compassion on them. The very person that offended you, you got to have Christian compassion on them. Well, I was just going to let them have it from both barrels. You stepped on my toes, and I don't like you. Well, I'm so sorry. I just was had such a rough day. I really wanted to worship God, and I'm sorry. I know I should probably look around, and let me tell you, if you're going to worship, please keep your eyes open once in a while, and don't do the whirly bird or the whirly's bird. Hallelujah. Knock people out. Amen. <laughs> Open your eyes and worship God once in a while. That's okay too. That's still holy. But but you might find out that person they just they're on the they're on their last leg. They're on their la- they're they're on the very brink of giving up and they didn't mean anything by it. And if you do the Bible way, what's going to happen? You're going to get compassion for that individual and you're going to find out, you know, I've really been struggling. You know, that I just really have, I'm so sorry. And, and, and truthfully, most people that are Christian would actually apologize. I really didn't mean anything by it. If I ever offend you, please don't talk about me. Come to me. Tell me what I did to offend you because let's be real. You know who offense affects? The person offended. Because that person that offended you moved on and didn't even know they offended you. And guess what? It's six months and you still harboring some bitterness and some hatred towards that individual. And what was a little thing, I remember in my home church, we had, we had a church cleaning kind of like we did and we're going to do again before Easter this year. And they announced it for three weeks. Please, we had a lost and found. Hallelujah. And it wasn't just saints. We had a lost and found. And, and if you have anything in the lost and found, please remove everything you have from the lost and found. They said it for three weeks straight. And this individual was in church, either ignoring the announcements or whatever, didn't go and check their... They had this, this ritual of leaving their coat in the lost and found. It just I don't know if they were trying to keep their seat or what they were trying to do. But guess what? It got donated at Goodwill. And we blessed somebody in our community. 
and that person went back to the lost and found that next service looking for their coat. Where's my coat? Well, we cleaned out the lost and found. We've been announcing for three weeks. That person backslid for six years over a lost and found coat and came back six years later and told the story of how offended they were for six years over a coat. They lost six years of prayer meetings. They lost six years where they could have affected somebody in the kingdom. They lost six years where they could have worshipped together with their brothers and sisters. They lost six years of walking with God and reading his word and being in fellowship with the body because they allowed themselves to get offended and they didn't say anything about it. If I throw away your coat, please come tell me. I'll, I'll buy you a new one, I promise. Go tell him his fault between the whole church, between you and him. Go grab 50 of your friends to get them into a corner and start telling them what they did wrong. No. Between you and him. And this is what it continues on. And if he hears you, okay, because there's some people that won't. We're going to talk about that in a minute, and I'm done. I promise. If he hears you, thou hast gained thy brother. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah. You have gained your brother. Guess what? Instead of disfellowshipping and breaking the unity and breaking the community, you've actually gained, amen, an open relationship and an open door where you can meet together and you can be open and honest. And now you don't have to worry about whether they have secret hidden feelings of how they hate you and don't like you. Everybody seeing that? Now, let's talk about the person that has a problem, a problem saying sorry. Okay, because that's an issue too. But if he will not hear you, and again, please, we're not going to follow this principle if they didn't shake your hand. Get over it. Uh, and we're not going to follow this if they step on your toe. Buff your shoes out. Get over it. Uh, but if they truly do something to offend you, they, they insult you in some way, uh, whatever the case may be, they said you look like you put on a few pounds, hallelujah, I don't know, whatever the case may be, okay? If, if they won't hear you, then take with thee one or two more of who? Your brothers, your sisters, somebody in fellowship, and in the mouth of two or three witnesses, every word may be established. Hey, I, I came to him. I told him this was the issue. Um, again, these are for serious circumstances. If it's stepping on your toes, just pray through. But if they won't listen, I don't need to say sorry. There's a lady that one of the only people in our church that got kicked out was a person that refused to forget, forget, or for, they refused to say sorry. They refused to apologize for something they did. They lied, and they about destroyed an entire marriage by lying. Somebody else's. They said they saw him somewhere, and they didn't. And it was a blatant lie. It was easily determined. And they said, they admitted to it. Yeah, I did it. But refused to say sorry. They are all backslidden today. Every last one of them. Their kids. They had ministry opportunity. They were going places. But they would not apologize. So every word's established. Now you've got, a, you've got witnesses. I've tried. I've done my part. What are you doing? You're freeing yourself. I've tried. Keep going. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it to the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let him to be unto you as a heathen and as a publican. But hopefully we never have to get to that position. Ephesians chapter 4 and verse, verse 31 as we stand all across the building.
let all, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you and all of the malice. Everybody see that? As children of God, we've got to be Christians, not just to the world, but to one another. Okay? And be you kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. Why? Even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. Sometimes all we need to be Christians again is to remember where God brought us from. And when we realize and remember how much God had to forgive me, I'm not worried about how much he had to forgive you. Maybe you were perfect and spotless, but if I would be honest, how much he's forgiven me, I can't help but to forgive you. Let's lift up our hands and let's pray. Lift up your hands and let's pray all across the building. Jesus, we want to restore fellowship to those that have walked away from truth. When they come back to the house of God, we want to, we want to embrace them and welcome them and love them and affirm our love towards them and let them know that there was nothing personal, but we wanted to see them come back and be saved and be in right relationship with you and with your church, God. But Lord, we also pray right now, if there's anybody in this building that has offended me, Lord, I forgive them. And if I can't get over it, God, I'm going to go to them. And we're going to work it out as brothers and sisters. And if, if, if somebody comes to me, God, I want to be a Christian that says, Lord, you have forgiven me of so much. I'm going to apologize and I'm going to forgive others as well. I want to open up this altar. Would you come here tonight? I think this is an opportunity for every single one of us, from the pulpit to the pew, myself included, to have a moment to say, God, if there's anything, any offense, any bitterness, any malice, any guile, anything that would hinder fellowship in this church, in my spirit, God, I pray that you would begin to wash it, that you would begin to remove it. God, that I would be able to make things right, God. Would you pray with us as we... Close out this altar call. Somebody pray in the name of Jesus. Lift up your voice and pray for a few moments. Come on, that's it. There's a, this is a holy moment right now. God is restoring fellowship. God is restoring fellowship in the building. If there's anything in me, God, if there's any offense, God, I forgive them. I forgive them. You've forgiven me of so much. I'm not going to let that hinder fellowship. I'm not going to let that hinder revival. I'm going to let it go. I'm going to let it go.
Come on, that's it, church. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Let's pray in the Holy Ghost right now. There are people that, that are wanting to come home, but we got to mend our nets. we got to mend our nets. When they come, we will affirm our love. But, Lord, there's also people in the building that maybe I've become disconnected with because I've been offended or they did something I don't like. God, I'm going to go to my brother or my sister. I'm going to make things right with them. I'm going to I'm going to make sure we get connected. We're going to win our brothers and win our sisters in Jesus name.